0: We're continuing in this series that we've called The Story of Everything. We're talking about what we believe as a church. What is it that we believe as followers of Jesus Christ? What does the Bible teach us, reveal to us? What does it mean for us in our faith? And for our church, and we've got two weeks left to go in this series, Um, but again, looking at the basics of our faith, you'll find that what we believe, and if you've been a part of this with us or if you're just checking in this morning, that what we believe isn't a statement or a pledge or a set of statements to be memorized or or something like that, but what we believe is really a story. It's a great story of God's work in this world uh, to bring people to himself. And that's what we're looking at. We believe that it's, a, it's one story, uh, that it is a great story, and it's a story that gives purpose. It's a story that gives mission. It's a story that provides hope to every single one of us. Week one, we talked about God. God is the main character in the story of everything. Uh, Everything that happens in this world is intended to bring glory to God. Uh, He is relational to the core as we see that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We sometimes use the word Trinity that He is relational to the core, that He is this community of love and that because God is love, everything that He created in all of creation, you and me, God created out of love. That's who He is. Uh, Sin was another chapter in the story of everything. It's still a problem today. But sin is the great problem in the story of everything. And, And sin isn't so much about necessarily broken rules or broken relations re- re- regulations as much as it is sin is about a broken relationship or broken relationships ultimately it's about this broken relationship between man and woman and god that sin creates the separation that only jesus can put back together uh, he was the third part in this story jesus is the great hero of the story of everything you know every great story has a hero and jesus is ours jesus is the solution To the problem of sin, that God sent Jesus Christ into this world as the incarnation, the word incarnation means God himself, that Jesus came, he is God, he was God, he came as God and walked this earth uh, and uh, helped to make a way for us to have a relationship with him again. Jesus didn't come to just simply establish a new religion, all right, Jesus came to make things right once again with God and when Jesus left the earth physically, the Holy Spirit came to take his place. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God in spirit form, fully God. And the Holy Spirit lives in the lives of Christ followers today. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've trusted Jesus Christ with your life, if you uh, asked for his forgiveness and invited him to be the Lord of your life, then the Holy Spirit lives inside of you today. God himself lives inside of you. And it's by his power and his strength that he allows us to live our lives and and to even carry out our mission as followers of Jesus and this church in helping people find their way back to God. Now, the next chapter of the story and the one that I want to focus on this morning involves the role of the church. Now, when I say church, it's, it's church with a capital C. We're talking about the whole community, the whole body of believers across this world today, that we are God's church. We are, we are one church, and God has a plan for this world that involves the church. And so I want to share with you an understanding of a church this morning that might be a little different, a different little, little different take than most of us have ever heard about the church. But before I do that, I want, I want to start by talking to you about a particular place that exists in the world today. In fact, it is the deadest place on earth. And I'm not talking about where the Pacers play basketball or anything like that, but I'm talking about this place right here. We've got, we've got a picture of it. Uh, this is the Dead Sea. All right, the Dead Sea is located uh, in the Middle East today. How, how many of you have ever been to the Dead Sea before? We had one in the first service. Anybody around the room? Okay, we got a hand over here. Hey, the Dead Sea, all right, and uh, if you've never been there before, maybe you've heard stories about it, the Dead Sea's pretty salty. Now, it may not look dead, but actually it is, it is the lowest place on the earth. Uh, I've got to say, 1,378 feet below sea level. Now, it's a body of water, and we usually associate a body of water with life, but the water here is so salty that no marine animal can be found in it. It's 31.5% salt. Now, just as a comparison, I was reading that the Mediterranean Sea, which is just nearby part of the ocean, is 3% salt. All right, now you've all swam in the ocean before, most likely, or most of you have. Well, the Dead Sea is 31.5% salt. You can't. They, they say you cannot drown in the Dead Sea, that it is impossible uh, to drown, that you can lie on your back completely flat, read a newspaper, no problem at all. I mean, that, that's just what it's like. That, that's the Dead Sea. The deadest, place on earth. Now, there's, again, there's nothing alive in it. Now, you may be wondering what in the world the Dead Sea has to do with the church. Well, in the days before Jesus, the Israelites were the people chosen by God to represent God to the world. And in the Old Testament, we find a prophet, an Israelite prophet, by the name of Ezekiel. And Ezekiel receives this vision from God And I want to look at that vision with you this morning. And if you've got your Bibles and you want to follow along in your own Bible, it's Ezekiel chapter 47, beginning in verse verse 1. I've got about 10 verses here that I want to read. Ezekiel chapter 47, beginning in verse 1, and we've got it on the screen as well. Your Bible might be a little different. This is actually out of the New Living Translation. Ezekiel writes, okay, he's copying this down for us so we get an idea of what this vision was like for him. He writes, in my vision... The man, which was an angel possibly, brought me back to the entrance of the temple. Okay, and notice the capital T on the word temple here. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Verse 3. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1750 feet and then led me across. There was water up to my ankles. He measured off another t- or 1750 feet and led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. After another 1750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1750 feet and the river. Now notice that he refers to it here now as a river, it's no longer a stream. It was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. Verse 6, he asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me along the river bank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, the river flows east through the desert into the valley of the dead sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the dead sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Now skip over to verse 12. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on the branches. There will be a new crop every month. For they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. Now, what in the world does this have to do with the role that the church that you and I have been called to play? Well, everything. And and let me show you why. Now, let's start with the temple that we read about in this particular vision. Before Jesus came, the temple represented so much more than a building. It was so much more than four walls and a roof that stood in the middle of this community. The temple, and if you're taking notes, you can copy this down, the temple was the place that contained the concentrated presence of God. If you wanted to have an encounter of some kind with God, you went to the temple and it was administered for you. Now, this vision had to be a bit awkward for Ezekiel because if you notice from the text, it describes this stream. The stream uh, was described as moving away, flowing away from the temple. Well, up until this point in history, the temple was all about what was happening on the inside, what was happening within the walls of the temple. And eventually, this stream that that Ezekiel is describing as it flows away from the temple, it becomes a river of life producing all of these things. You read about the trees and the fruits and, and all of this growth. And the fish and the trees and everywhere, including even in the Dead Sea. That in this vision, Ezekiel gets a picture that one day this river of life will flow into the Dead Sea and there will be life there once again. It is something to come in the future. So the vision describes a day when there will be life in the deadest place on earth. Now, Ezekiel's vision has a lot to do with what the role that the church has been called to to play. And as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Jesus came as the solution to the problem of sin. And when Jesus, the incarnation, when God himself was born, the presence of God was no longer contained to a building. Jesus became the presence of God on earth. And for the first time, people could hear from God they were able to touch God. They were able to see God work and to know uh, his love with their very own eyes. The presence of God was now concentrated in one person, in Jesus. Now, after Jesus dies and rises from the dead, he ascends into heaven. His physical presence was gone. But as we learned last week, the spirit of God entered, and, or entered the world and now lives in the hearts and the lives of those who put their trust in Jesus Christ. And so the spirit is the very presence of God living inside of people today. The spirit of God lives in me, you know? He lives in me because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and he lives in the hearts and lives of many of you that have trusted Jesus with your life. I mean, if you are a follower of Jesus, you know, God lives inside of you. Now here's the thing, trusting Jesus or trusting Jesus has never been about, never intended to be about doing life alone. All right, it's about being involved in a community. It's about doing life like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, living in this community, living in this relationship together. It's about community. The church is a community, all right? It's a a representation of God on earth. And as we see in Ezekiel's vision, and, and I want you to get this, the church is supposed to be like a river that flows from God, bringing life to wherever there's deadness. Let me say that again. The church is supposed to be like a river that flows from God, bringing life to deadness. And we'll break this down a little bit more. The church plays an important role in the story of everything today and until Jesus returns. Because we are called, you and I, in our lives and how we operate as a church, but how we live our lives each day, we are called to flow like a river of life, bringing life and hope and change to broken lives, to deadness. Now, in the story of everything, Ezekiel's vision helps us to see a little bit more about the role the church is called uh, to play, the, the role that we're called to play. But I want to look at another place in Scripture that helps us understand this. Uh, flip over, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Now, 1 Corinthians is a letter uh, written by the Apostle Paul to a young church in, in a big city, the city called Corinth. And this church had a number of problems. The types of problems that give Christians and give church a bad name and a bad rap today. Well, the people in this church were divisive. The people in this church were argumentative. Uh, this people, the people in this particular church were cliquish. Uh, they, they were hypocritical. The Apostle Paul even points out in 1 Corinthians that one of the members of the church was sleeping with his own stepmother, which is wrong in every way. All right, but that's what was happening. And so the church at Corinth is pretty messed up. All right, and this church was missing the mark. Well, look what Paul writes to them and says, 1 Corinthians 316 he says don't you know that you yourselves are god's temple and that god's spirit lives in you don't you know followers of jesus you know people of the church today that you yourselves are god's temple and that god's spirit lives in you now the word you here that he uses is not singular it's plural so it means all of us it, it, it pertains to those living in Corinth and, and those today. I mean, if the Apostle Paul, you know, were, were, were from Kentucky or something, it'd sound, you, you all listen. You all listen. You all are God's temple. You know, remember where God, I lived in Kentucky for three years, so I can say that. So don't get offended if you're from Kentucky. But remember where God's presence originated in the vision. It originated in the temple. So hear this. The church. And, and let's just talk about Genesis Church for a second. Okay, this is, this is for us, we'll personalize it. The church is not about meeting in a building or even in a warehouse for that matter. It, it's not coming together one time a week on Sunday to sing some songs, you know, clap our hands, you know, throw some money in the bag, you know, hear, hear, hear some preaching or whatever. But as followers of Jesus, here, here's what our mission and our role and our purpose all comes down to. That you and I, are now the temple of God from which a river capable of bringing life, of a flowing river capable of bringing life, goes or can potentially go to wherever there's deadness. I mean, just as we see in Ezekiel's picture of this river flowing from the temple ultimately into the, the Dead Sea and bringing life to the Dead Sea, you and I are now the temple of God from which flows a river capable of bringing life to wherever deadness is exists that's the role we've been called to play i got a little friend up here i don't know if you guys have spotted him yet or not i bought a fish this week i've never owned a fish before and somebody told me after the first service that if i stand behind it you might even be able to see the fish because he's kind of dark or whatever he's down here in the corner i think i think he's still alive he's still alive yeah i see something moving there so uh it's a beta fish and uh, we named him, uh, well, more properly Charles, but we can, you can call him Charlie if you want to. So my, bo- my, my boys helped me name him. But we, we bought a beta fish this week. Never owned a fish in my life before. Any, any fish owners or previous fish owners in the room? Uh, most people have, have done the, the, the fish experience before. Well, the thing about Charlie is, and I think he's going to live in my office, is that for the most part, by living in this glass bowl, he's pretty well safe uh, from any predators uh, any harm or, or whatsoever and and he just gets to live and eat and swim around and enjoy the rocks that we put in the bottom for him and so for Charlie uh, this fish bowl is a pretty good place for him to hang out and to enjoy and do, and do life now how many of you ever owned a fish that died Alright, okay, so yeah, lots of, the, the, see, I, I almost think that that's kind of what's prevented me from getting a fish, is knowing that Charlie will die, that there will come a day that he will die, and I'll have to carry him across to the great porcelain throne in the building and uh, flush him on to, uh, to another life, but, but Charlie's going to die, but for the most part, for right now, he's safe. And I am his provider, and if I care for him, and if I feed him, and if I'll clean this bowl out once in a while and stuff, we might be able to get some years out of Charlie, for the most part, if, if I'll monitor this and stay on top of it. But uh, you know, for the most part, while he's safe, fish bowls aren't really conducive to life. Uh, you know, I'm not sure that Charlie was ever intended or meant to live in a glass bowl. That, you know, we, we think of fish living in a river or in a stream or in a lake or something like that. But, uh, you know, while he's going to die, you know, this isn't most conducive to life. But if I feed him, if I clean him, if I take care of it, not clean him, I don't think I have to clean him at all. I hope not. I didn't read that in the directions. Somebody have to verify that for me later. But, you know, he, he's going to die. Now, I know that all of you have had fish that never died. You know, you didn't clean the fish bowl, like, and he lived for, like, another seven years, and, you know, you checked out feeding him, like, and five years later, he was still going or whatever, you know, but that's the exception, but, but this guy is going to die. I mean, fish in a bowl, you know, are on their way to deadness, all right, and it, it's going to happen, you know, whether, whether, we, whether we like it or not, you know, fish in a bowl are going to die, but fish living in a sea or a river or something it's just a completely different experience, you know, all new challenges and exploration and, and while, sure, they have to work a little bit harder to find food and they have to deal with potential predators and all sorts of fish and dangers, you know, that fish living in a bowl don't have to live with. I mean, seriously, what fish wants to live in a bowl? You know, when you could go and swim in the river or swim in the stream or swim in the lake when there, there could be so much more. I mean, how cool is it really to live and exist in a bowl? Alan Hirsch is a writer, and he spends a lot of time thinking about the church and what it means for a church to be effective in reaching lost people today. Listen to what he writes. He says, churches become sheltered artificial environments, ecclesial fish tanks, which is just a fancy way of saying church fish tanks, that are safeguarded from the danger and disturbances in the surrounding environment. They become closed systems with their own peculiar cultures, that have little relational, social, and cultural associations to the world outside. These closed systems are generally maintained by people, themselves significantly cloistered from the world, who feed the insiders and keep things stable, nice, clean, and free from disturbances. Now, here's what I believe that God's plan is for the church, but maybe even specifically for Genesis Church today. It involves this. It's about the church. It's about Christ followers like you and me working like a river to bring life to wherever there is deadness, you know, in this community, in your surroundings, in your environments. Now, unfortunately, in many churches today, the church gets turned into a fishbowl. It's so easy for a church to just kind of create their own safe little environment be completely self-sufficient, take care of each other's needs, and it almost as if it just becomes an act of survival. If we can just simply survive until Jesus comes back, then we'll be able to enjoy all of those benefits. But the danger in that is I really believe that we miss out on our purpose and our mission as a church. Now, Fishbowl Church, on the other hand, is safe and it's predictable. But here's the thing, here's the irony. If you are really going to experience what what fish were meant for what you and i were meant for you've got to spend some time in the river if you and i are ever going to truly embrace and have our hearts break over what it means to help people find their way back to god we're going to have to be willing to spend some time in the river with people who might not get it with people who are suffering who are still lost who are still searching for hope. I mean, we've got to be willing to go be light in a dark world. Now, how does this fit into the story of everything? Well, again, before Jesus, the presence of God was most, most closely associated with the temple, was most commonly associated with temple. But today, it's the spirit of God working and living and existing through you and me. And what Paul said to the church at Corinth, he is still saying to you and I today that we, that you and I, are the temple of God. And listen to what Jesus says in Matthew sixteen eighteen. 18. He, he's saying these words to Peter. He says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. He, he's speaking of the absolute importance of the church, of the body of believers today in this world. And he even goes as far as saying, "In the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now the word Hades or hell here doesn't specifically mean the place that the devil calls home, but in this passage it simply implies death. That death won't be able to overcome the work of the church in this world. That deadness uh, cannot have its way. Jesus did not give his spirit to the church so that we could go around and form a nonprofit organization and have a great show on Sundays. That's not what it's about. He sent his spirit to us so that through us, his spirit, we can be like a river bringing life to deadness. Look look at these words of Jesus. John chapter 7, verse 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him or within her. Whoever believes in me, the scripture has said, the streams of living water will flow from within him or her. The church is a river of life, and as a church... You know, this is what we believe we're called to do. It's about bringing life, about bringing hope, about bringing change to dead places and to dead lives, and so many churches have gotten it wrong, and and it's unfortunate, and we want to be a church that says, you know what, we want to get it right. We want to be about God's purpose. We want to be about God's mission and the work that he is choosing to do through us in this place here in central Indiana, right here in Noblesville. It's about bringing life to wherever there's deadness. I mean, we want to be a church that's bringing life and and, and hope and second chances, whether it be on Pleasant Street or in Noblesville or Fishers or wherever that may be or even in places like Haiti. It's about being streams of life. It's about taking life to wherever there's there's deadness. It's our responsibility. I mean, it's our call and our purpose. I mean, the church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world today. The hope of this world is not in the government. The, The hope of this world is not in prosperity The hope of this world is in Jesus Christ. It's in his church. You know, these other things can't bring life. The church is the hope of the world and and only the spirit of God can bring life. Jesus said, I have come and I I bring life so that you may have it to the full. And that's a message that Jesus wants us to proclaim. Now, as I think about, you know, you who call Genesis Church your home, and I know that's many of you here today and I know that some of you are just checking it out. You know, you're just getting involved with us. And there are many of you that are so committed and so passionate about reaching out and, and touching people's lives in, in a positive way. Let me, let me say this. When you, give, when you give of your life, when you give of your time and your resources and your gifts and your passions and your energy, you're not just doing good as if there's this positive energy that somehow permeates the world today. You're, you're touching people's lives with life. You know, as followers of Jesus, you bring life to when, when you serve, when you say, I, I do this in the name of Jesus Christ. And God is bringing life and he's bringing hope and he's bringing the possibility of transformation through you to no matter who it is that you might touch. I mean, you bring life to men and women suffering in the deadness of sin and, and divorce right now and addictions and abuse. I mean, you have the possibility of bringing life into a student's life as they struggle with hopelessness and purposelessness and as they're trying to do life. You bring life to to children and gen kids who otherwise would only know the deadness of life without a relationship with God. I mean, you bring life to those struggling for food and poverty, even right here in Hamilton County, because it exists. And we bring life you know, to people struggling to survive in Haiti. And most importantly, you bring life to people who just desperately need to find their way back to God, whether they realize it or not. And Jesus is the way. We believe that Jesus is the truth, and we believe that Jesus is the life. And remember, we're not called to live in a fishbowl. Jesus didn't invite us to live in a fishbowl. He called us to do some swimming in the river you know, that's why as a church, we really prioritize and emphasize what we believe three things that are so important to everyone who calls Genesis Church their home. We, we call them the three Cs. If you call Genesis your home, we hope that you'll, you'll celebrate with us, that you'll connect with others, and that you'll contribute in some way. Here's what that looks like. We hope that you'll make being in worship on the weekends a priority in your life. That you'll say, you know what, I need that. I, I want to worship God. I want to I study together. I, I want to be with other people like this, and so I'm going to make it a priority in my life. I, I'm going to connect with others in, in a connection group. I'm going to find a group of people that I get together with a couple of times a month, some that have found their way, some that are trying to find their way, you know, and do life with them. I'm going to contribute in some way. I'm going to play a part. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to play my role. And I know for some of you, you're like, well, you know what, I'm, I'm just too busy. If you're too busy to do that, you're too busy. I mean, if you're too busy, you're you're too busy, you know, is the unfortunate reality in all this. Because here's the thing, we don't, I don't want this, I don't want Genesis Church to be like a, a seven day a week, seven night a week kind of experience for you. I really don't want that. I don't want it to be, I don't want it to come to a place that, you know, you're here on Sundays and then you're back on a weeknight so kids can do youth group and then you've got men's ministry and women's ministry and you've got the sports ministry and you've got this and that or whatever and we got, you know, poodles trying to find their way back to Jesus and all that, Not you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, you've got all these things that are happening and the next thing you know, you have no time for your family, you have no time for life, you're just at church seven days a week. I think we'd become a fishbowl if we do that. And so what we're trying to establish is what is absolutely most important to our experience here. If we worship together, and that's critical. If we get into group and we build this family kind of relationship with other people that are doing life with us, I think that's critical. You know, you finding your part here, you know, and serving with us, I think that's critical. But here's the thing. I need you to go live your life in the community too. Because you know what? That's what I'm going to do. I've made that commitment to my family. I'm going to try and hold true to that. I I want to coach my kids' t-ball teams. I want to serve in their schools. But I believe in doing that. I can even be a stream. I can be like a river of life and going into those different places. And I want the same for you. I I want you building relationships with your neighbors. You know, and I want you to make time for that. And I want you to be involved with your kids' lives and what they're doing. You know, I, I believe it's important. I believe it's just what an awesome benefit that we can do more time with our family but be intentional about building relationships with people. Uh, and so here's a question. Who outside of this church right now are you bringing life to? That's a, it's a personal question. That, that one's just for you. I, I'm wrestling with that one too, but it's for you this morning. Who right now outside of this church are you currently and presently bringing life to? I think you need a name. I think you need a face. I think you need a commitment before God that you say, I'll give my, the rest of my life to this person if that's what it takes. Who are you currently bringing life to? You know, I mean, are you swimming in the river at all right now? And can God put one person in on your mind? I mean, we, we see ourselves as this river of life, as this life giver to the community. And when we do that, everything changes. And we find you know, ourselves in an interesting place as a church because it would be so easy right now for us to kick back and say, we got it. I mean, look at the room right now we've got it. I mean, we've, we've got a full house. You know, we've got some room to grow. There's still some seats or whatever. Let, let, let's throw it into autopilot. Let, let's cruise a little bit. And let's just say we've arrived and we've done it. I think that'd be a horrible decision. We can't. I mean, we can't throw it into autopilot. You throw it into autopilot, the thing will crash. Well, we have to keep moving because we are a stream, we are a river of life that God is wanting to work through in this community. You know, I mean, it'd be always easy to say, yeah, I mean, we've got it, we've got enough people, but when we see ourselves as a river of life, we realize that time is of the essence, that everything that we do is important, it's critical. You know, that's why we're currently praying, The, the leaders of this church are praying and asking questions about, God, what can we do with this facility to to completely, to fully maximize the space. Because we believe, I believe that this facility was given to us as a gift from God. That in, in the long journey of Genesis Church that God had ultimately planned and desired for us to be right here at 1702 Pleasant Street, that it was not an accident. And you've helped to make that a possibility as God has worked through you. But we're asking questions now of, okay, God, if this is where you want us, how can we maximize this space? And so we've been meeting with some architects and talking with different people. And many of you from here on different teams in our church have given feedback and opinions. And we're just even asking questions about about the room on the other side of this wall. You know, it's currently our indoor soccer field, you know. And we're trying to use it to the very best that we can. But God, what would it take for us to maximize that space over there so that we can better reach people that are coming in and out of here on a weekly basis? And we believe that God's going to do great things. And in just the right time, God's going to lead us to a plan to finish off that space and to maximize the facility because we believe that it's a gift from God. It's a gift given to us. And we're going to be sharing with you more and more and, and inviting you to be a part of that with us. Now, is the church limited to a building? No, absolutely not. You know, is the church about four walls and a roof? No way. But this facility is a gift. This facility is an instrument. It is a tool to be used for God and for his purposes. Now here's what I want to ask you to do. I, I, want you, I, I want you to get the name and the face of somebody on your mind and I want you to get passionate about it. And I want you to invest in them and give time and energy to that. And what I want us to be able to do as a church is to be ready and prepared for that day when they say, you know what, I want to check out services with you. I, I want to bring my family of how can we best serve families as they come in here. How can we make sure that we have as many seats as possible in this room that there's always a place for one more. Because, friends, always, there, there has to always be a place for one more. We can never come to an end. We, we can't afford to ever say, well, let's, let, let's just do the fishbowl thing. We've got what we need. Who are you bringing life to right now? Who, who is that person in your life? And how does God want to use you to reach that one person? You and I, we're, we're a river of life to this community, to everyone we meet. Let's go live out our purpose. Let's go be who God designed us to be. You know, if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, it's, it's the greatest part of our story uh, that Jesus Christ came into this world to forgive sins and to give life. Uh, we're going to sing one last song here together this morning. And if you've got any questions about that, uh, if you'd like for someone to pray with you this morning, we'll have a team of people down front here after the service. Uh, we'd love to tell you about Jesus. Uh, We'd love to pray with you today. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for Genesis Church. Uh, I want to thank you, God, that we have a purpose, that we have a mission, and uh, we're finding our way through it, God. And we believe, and I know, Lord, that you're leading us, and we just pray for full speed ahead. Uh, But, God, I pray that we would know and acknowledge and understand that it's not about something that we just elect to do and hope that it gets done. It's about making a personal commitment that, uh, that, that I get it, God, that, that you put a name and you put a face on my mind and on my heart and that's enough motivation for me. And I pray that for my friends here today. One name, one face. Who can we bring life to? God, do great things through us. Thanks for Jesus. Thanks for those that are wrestling with him right now, trying to find their way. May they know and understand your love.